0: welcome to an original series the podcast celebrating our favorite tv shows behind the paywall i am patch one of your co-hosts and with me as always celebrating the world of long-form storytelling is my friend and co-host
1: adam Hey, man. Before we start, I have one thing to show you, which I know our listeners won't be Are you going to show see. me another
0: t-shirt? Because this is going to be it's, awesome. It's not it's a like, t-shirt. we do
1: this. It's something. <laughs> this <laughs> is... What is
0: that? Oh, my gosh. Wait, what is... I can't see... Oh, I see Hawkins heat in there. Dude, what is that? Is that a... I can't tell what that is. A, yeah. a Brenner with Hawkins vant. Is that a pop?
1: It's a... Um, yeah, it's a Dorbs. It's part of the Funko... Flying apparently gotcha but it's like a weird looking version of dr brenner sitting in <laughs> with like a giant head sticking out of the top of if you can see it That's it's awesome. probably easier to see on the back yeah out oh my, of a oh uh, i can't a, see it now oh my yeah, god out of a hawkins power and light van we talked last awesome. episode about yes. the uh unintimidating vans that were were chasing the kids <laughs> and here we go we got with dr brenner himself well,
0: all it needs is a scary Dr. Brenner with a giant head.
1: That makes it really intimidating. I know. Sticking As Dr. out Brenner of could... the top of the van. That's If that's what happened in the show, if there was a... if Brenner had a giant head that size, that those kids would be screaming. Yes.
0: <laughs> this kid would oh. be screaming. I would be, <laughs> I
1: would be pretty just
0: ecstatic. Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Somebody needs to flip that van and just crush yeah. his head because that's scary.
1: <laughs> I actually just bought this. I didn't know it even existed. I was looking at some... Uh, stranger things merch online i was like oh my gosh so i was like it's matthew so i had to get it but uh <laughs> does he know that actually
0: i wonder if i wonder if he knew that that it existed
1: we have a few of the regular pops of his character um that they gave us when we went to comic-con in 2019 but i did not know this thing exist. i never even heard of dorb's rides dorbs rides with z's on the end it's some tor- okay. some type of uh subcategory of funko gotcha pops i'm not sure i i know you're more of the funko pop
0: yeah i'm guru. i'm kind of a purist yeah, yeah. I, I, they have the they have the tin- the soda cans i think they have that kind of line they have the minis the minis um, yeah. in fact i think somewhere around here hold on my sister-in-law got me this mini pop from the from the office. This is Daryl Feldman oh, yeah. from the office. <laughs> Apparently, it's part of okay. a mystery set where you can't buy all of them. And so <laughs> I was like, well, that's dumb because there's like nine of them or ten of them. I,
1: what kind of them all. Uh, collectible is made in such a way that you can't collect them all? Isn't that what we were told as kids? Collect them all. Get them all. Yeah got to buy yeah. them
0: that translates to make your parents pay money that they don't have to buy yeah. you things that will eventually not be a valuable so
1: right it's find them on ebay exactly yeah. <laughs> anyway i thought it was uh kind of fun in light of our recent discussion and uh of episode seven or chapter seven so i i had to pick it up and uh yeah it's kind of fun yeah
0: well, if you have been with us, you've been enjoying this uh, journey through, I, I would call it season one, I guess we'll unofficially call it season one. But the fact is, I think you said this either on the episode previously or offline, that they don't actually refer to these seasons as seasons. It's just, it's Stranger Things, Stranger Things 2, 3, and 4. I got to tell you, Adam, watching this finale or watching this last chapter, it felt like the end of a horror movie in anticipation of its sequel, which I thought was really very much eighties. Yeah. It just felt a lot like nightmare on Island street where you have the stinger at the end and yep. you're like, Oh my gosh, it's not over. Yeah. I was really, really excited to go through this, uh, listeners. If you don't know, we decided to, after we finished episode seven or excuse me, chapter seven to actually watch chapter eight together and just text each other back and forth as sort of a live reaction
1: right after we recorded yeah yeah yeah
0: after we recorded chapter seven i want to do that again for part two okay. <laughs> and for subsequent parts for this because i think yeah. it's, it's so cool and obviously it creates some really good notes that we're taking to discuss but it's so i mean it really does capture this kind of watch party finale i remember getting together with several friends to watch the series finale of lost and we were all equally disappointed (laughs) in how it ended (laughs) maybe two people were like i like that ending and i'm like you're insane because (laughs) that's not at all what it should have done that's a different podcast altogether but yeah i think we really did capture this oh my gosh it's just incredible i mean the the next best thing is just to watch it simultaneously like in the same room right and uh, of course you know at some point maybe we can stream it and just have the speaker phone on or something like that where it's just <laughs> right. like, but anyway, it was cool. It was really, really cool. I enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And there are more and more options for doing that kind of group watch experience. I think movies anywhere that app offers that type of, uh, of group viewing feature now, but it's, you know, it's not, nothing's quite perfect. I think Disney plus is doing it, but what you really need is a way to see each other, and hear each other while you're watching at the exact same time, that's sort of, I don't know if they've really, if anyone's perfected that into a single app experience yet.
0: Yeah. I think there was an app called Rabbit that was open source, that was something like that. And it's had like eight different derivatives. My buddy Aaron and I, when we would do something similar when we were watching Friday Night Lights together independently, we would take each season finale and watch it together. And we'd have our cameras on, but our our sound would be off because we couldn't project yeah. the audio from the episode and get our talking point. So we just see each other sort of reacting and then text each other in the chat. it was, I mean, that gets us closer. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's a, yeah, you know, I appreciate that kind of technology. So maybe we'll get there.
1: Yeah. I think it's, it's coming. There's there, maybe there's an opportunity for someone to really create a mainstream solution that really checks all the boxes that people want for that kind of uh, group viewing, especially when people like us live in different States or different parts of the country it's it really enhances our ability to do something together while not being physically in the same space exactly so i think
0: we i think we're getting there we'll, we'll yeah. i think we'll we'll nail it by the time we get to whatever the next thing is <laughs> yeah <laughs> well before we get into the meat of the episode i definitely want to talk a little bit about generally speaking i love the set pieces in this finale yeah. uh, the camera work was just on point I'm so excited we got to see the upside down. Obviously, the name of this chapter is The Upside Down. So if we didn't get to see it in detail, I would have been really disappointed. So getting to see it, getting more clear glimpses of the Demogorgon, I thought was really kind of just phenomenal. And this turned into straight up horror. I mean, this is not suspense anymore. This is really about jump scares and people dying and blood. And, and <laughs> not that <laughs> that I should not sound so excited when I say that because horror is not my thing but i thought it was executed really well as a finale to to this first entry of stranger things as i'll probably try to call it the entry not first season necessarily yeah.
1: no i agree it's this was uh beautifully shot as you said there's some really great visual effects the demogorgon is i think if not 100% close to it, it's all cgi but it's really well done you know i'm not uh, a huge fan of overuse of cgi in films but i think that when it's used well And sparingly, it's amazing what they can do. And uh, for the first season uh, or the first entry of this show, before it was the kind of worldwide phenomenon (laughs) that it is now, it's remarkable that they got such good visuals, you know, from both the the visual effects, the productions. I mean, everything that they got out of of a much more uh, economical budget compared to future seasons that, you know, were were clearly... uh, Given a lot more to work with,
0: yeah, yeah. I, when I watch the Demogorman sp- Demogorman. <laughs> Demogorgon, Demogorgon, <laughs> Demogorgon specifically, I, I can tell definitely that there's that's obviously CGI. I mean, that's definitely not anim- animatronic puppeteering, right? But I think that one of the good techniques that's used here is you know the Jaws technique, where you see it in the shadows, you see it moving around, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in detail when we get into some of the later scenes. But I think that that was really effective because it created that ambiance of it's, it could be anywhere and using, you know, sound editing and sound mixing as a way to kind of show its presence using the lights I thought was really kind of cool. It really does kind of take a less is more approach. And of course, we get to see it in its full glory late in the episode. And by that time, you know, you can definitely tell it's not real, like it, it feels CG. But at that point, you're really just kind of rooting for the characters and you want to see what happens and so i'm very forgiving of it i think it's a really cool design for sure it is yeah and it reminds me a lot of the design of a quiet places character or monster right and you know what what it's used for like why it has that kind of no face and how it feeds it does it have a purpose i mean that's a question i have at this point yeah as we as we end this first entry is what kind of biology does this creature have in that it doesn't have a face how does it see does it see does it listen by sound i mean obviously blood is yep. it's, is it's the sense a sense, uh, a sense, sense of smell you know, yeah a sense of smell or taste or whatever but um the biology is still a mystery to me even after this finale so
1: and again i'm not giving anything away here when i say that i wonder if like l the demogorgon has some type of extrasensory perception or ability mm. to communicate and sense the presence of other living beings, as opposed to using, you know, hearing and sight and touch and all the things that we use. So that's that's one question: is, is that why L was able to tap into and sense yeah. this creature because it also had that same uh, sort of telekinetic and ability to use the use its mind. Anyway, we'll yeah. find out. Hopefully,
0: (laughs) I hope so. Yeah, (laughs) I have a series of questions that will either get summarized at the end of this episode or I might just throw them in as we get through. Yeah, anytime. Let's let's start at Hawkins Lab. That's where the episode really kind of kicks off. And there's an interrogation with Joyce and with with Hopper. Joyce is being interrogated by Brenner, who is his calm, cool and collected self. We get some interesting information here, Adam. He tells Joyce, first of all, this is taking place over a week. So what we feel like is taking place over months and months and months, or at least I felt that way because of how we're stringing this out. Right. It's actually just a week in the life of, of those these characters yeah. in Hawkins, uh, Indiana, yeah. which I guess is a good thing because that would be a terror to live in Hawkins, Indiana, for months. And if you're Joyce,
1: that's a long week to be without your child, to not know sure. what happened to your child. So that felt sure. probably like an eternity for her. But
0: yeah, yeah. So he says six people were taken. Right. Okay. So then I start doing the math and I start going back in my head. You've got what I call a scientist who was pulled up in the ceiling. Yep. You've got Will. You've got Barb. You've got Yellow Suit. Who yep. was... I don't know who the other two were. Do you know who the other two were?
1: I'm not sure. I think you're right that that soldier that Brenner sends in, he's like, good luck, son. You know, that, that went in. When he was the one that was kind of tethered yeah. to that. Uh... That's what
0: I call Yellow Suit.
1: Yeah, yeah. He, he's definitely one of them. Maybe there were one or two more. Mm-hmm. test subjects, if you will, that went through. That's the only thing I can think of is that we weren't privy to the other two that may have gone missing. Or maybe there were more scientists early on when we saw that first scientist escape the elevator. Maybe one or two were taken prior. Like he was running from something at that point, if you think yeah. about it. He wouldn't have been down there in the dark by himself. So my my thought was maybe there was the initial breakthrough of the Demogorgon through the gate in the underground lab, and maybe it grabs one or two people right then and there. And, and the scientist that we saw running down the hall in the very opening scene uh, might have been the third person, perhaps. I, it's I'm totally speculating here, unless we're we're forgetting or missing something that they indeed showed or didn't tell us or or didn't uh, or spoke about but didn't show us.
0: Yeah. I may have to do a little web search
1: to find out without getting spoilery for
0: future installments, which might be difficult, but I'll, I might take that risk.
1: But it's one thing I want to add though, is that this conversation is very interesting between Joyce and Brenner because Brenner tries, as you said, to use his sort of very calm tactics that he used so successfully with Mike's parents earlier in the season. And here for the first time, Joyce, it doesn't work on her. She's like, no, no, <laughs> she, and you can see in Brenner and Matthew Modine's performance. He is, he's upset. He's like, he this isn't, is what he is yeah, yeah. because he's not getting, he's not able to control her the way he's able to control almost everyone else around him that he encounters or has to work with. So this is uh, Joyce is clearly not having any of his manipulation.
0: Absolutely not. And, and I love that. And it's a culmination of her being scared, frustrated, angry, Disappointed. I mean, all these different emotions that she's gone through, this gamut where now we have, I won't call them the like a showdown because I don't think it's between her and Brenner. But it's interesting because their common ground, their common focal point is L.
1: Right. And they
0: don't allude to this, but I sort of connected this: that look, she's got a connection to L now as a mom, where L has a connection to Brenner as papa. That's right. And something interesting happens later on that we'll get into. But I think that there is a little bit of a standoff between the two. And she's like, I need answers and I'm not doing a darn thing until I get some answers. (laughs) And that's completely like contrasted with Hopper, who is all about getting tased and being sarcastic in this other room. (laughs) And I thought that was just a great dichotomy between these two uh, interrogation scenes where (laughs) calm, cool and collected. And then now we're just going to punish you until you give us what we want.
1: Yeah, totally. And, and like you said, Brenner wants Elle back in the same way that Joyce does. They both want their quote-unquote kids back, you know, and so they're kind of butting heads here because they both think the other has information that will help get their child back, and Brenner does see Elle as his daughter if you will but again we're not 100 percent sure that this is or isn't terry ives daughter or who the father is we don't know for sure what that is but regardless brenner does has sort of become a surrogate father to her and he does care for her and he does want to get her back so they actually have more in common in, in one way in this scene than they don't then hopper clearly is just being difficult as you said and
0: <laughs> this is not uncommon with his character either right he's yeah. just He's not going to take it. And what's funny is that kind of approach and his resistance, I think leads to Brenner saying, well, I'm going to use my superpower of persuasion on this guy. And he comes in with the the cigarette pack, lets him smoke a little bit. Hopper is very blunt. He said, look, I know what you want. So here we go. I'll tell you where the girl is, but leave the kids out of it. And the next moment we see Joyce coming out of her interrogation room, meeting up with Hopper, and he says, we came to an agreement. You want Will back? This place had nothing to do with it. And I was like, oh my gosh, what went down in that room? Spoiler alert, we don't know.
1: We don't really know. I'm still curious uh, towards the end of this episode. What deal did he make specifically to Did he sign something? Did he basically make an agreement that if he or anybody else involved says anything that they're like all dead, you know, but they have to keep this thing hushed that they have to ensure that no one ever knows that Hawkins lab had anything to do with any of these events like that. It's, it's clear that they're on the honor system here (laughs) to a certain extent. And uh, I don't, and also he clearly made a deal that would allow him and Joyce to go through the gate in hazmat suits to try to look for, will and i think brenner doesn't even think they're gonna make it that's the other thing i think it's like he probably sees that as a suicide mission so sure i'll give you this deal because now i can go get 11 and you can go kill yourself in the upside down
0: yeah and he says something to what i call evil social worker i think that's what i've named her (laughs) because i don't think she has a name but brenner's talking to her after they made that deal just before hopper and joyce go into the upside down he says It's gone. Isn't that what you wanted? I'm assuming that's the Demogorgon that they're talking about. I mean, I don't know what else that is. And then she says exactly what you were alluding to. And what if they find the boy? And he says, it's never going to happen. So I think you're right in that regard that these guys are collateral damage. That what I believe is happening is they're going to go into the upside down and lure the monster away. And the monster is going to eat them. And then we're all good here. And we'll just move on with our regularly scheduled interrogation or invasion or whatever they're doing. Right. at, At good old uh, hawkins power and light <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> and it's exactly. it, it leads us to our first real look at the upside down which is just oh i, I loved it i i yeah. really i don't jaw drop at set pieces that much but you know i said it before i'll say it again i love the way that we see hawkins the way right we see the, the the lab and how they're coming out of the of hawkins lab and then they go to All these different places, and it's just so cool.
1: The first shot we see, I think it's right after the opening credits, is actually an upside. The camera is upside down filming Hawkins' lab, and it like slowly rotates. Yeah. To see Joyce and Hopper walking towards the camera right side up. It's a really In in one way, it's smart because the camera was actually oriented correctly for our world, and then it has to reorient itself for Hopper and Joyce now emerging Mm -hmm. from the, quote-unquote, upside down. But what we don't see is, and I was curious, is when they come through the gate, clearly they're coming through the same gate in the basement or sub-basement level of Hawkins Lab. Did they have to, like, walk or climb up through... Shafts, You know, uh, I mean, how do they get out of there in the upside down to get into into the first level of of the lab and then obviously exit the lab? We don't see that part, but
0: we don't see that. And and that's a question that I have is how the mechanics of the upside down work. I mean, one thing I saw they enter into, I think, the Hawkins Town Square at some point. Yeah. And we see trucks covered in that stuff. I wonder if this is the upside down, if if it's where you have like if a truck or a car was parked in a parking spot in our world, if it moved, does it move in the upside down that's as a, well?
1: That's a very good question. Yeah. Because everything seems to be, you even see like in Will's Fort Byers, you know, all the stuff on the walls that he had. So if he adds something to the wall in our world, does it also show up there, but in a decaying form, I, that's yeah. kind of what we're led to believe that everything right. is a direct mirror image, but you're right. It's not really clear. But one thing I did notice this time, which I don't think we – because we didn't get a really good look before, is that the streetlights are on. There's electricity illuminating the lights in, mm-hmm. the, in the town square and in front of the public library. So there's still somehow electricity working within this upside-down realm, which yeah. I think is also interesting. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll... And, the,
0: and the geography doesn't change either. So no. apparently they were able to get out of the lab, as, as you alluded to. They were able to get to Fort Byers which is now destroyed because at the end of the penultimate chapter, right. we see the creature, I guess, has found Will. And we we find that out. The Demogorgon has found Will. He's captured him. Uh, we also get that there are echoes in the Upside Down. I don't know if that's just sort of a production effect or if that's kind of how things are used. Like if you go into the Upside Down, if you and I were to walk into it, would we just hear echoes of ourselves? This is also Adam not affected by the Upside Down, but affecting Hopper we start getting backstory about his daughter. Mm-hmm. And I thought this is fantastic storytelling. The way in which we parallel his daughter, not being able to breathe, finding out that she's got, I believe it's cancer. I mean, yeah. if you're going to associate, you know, a child with no hair, you know, with leukemia or something, respiratory right. infection of some kind. And as the story progresses, there are things that trigger Hopper that trigger us to see. And I love seeing David Harbour's performance here as not the sheriff, not the not, not the, the guy, tough, not the, not chi- the tough not the guy. Yeah, yeah. He,
1: That he he was a father, a loving father with a daughter, and and just seeing how broken he was, like in that in that stairwell in the hospital, and that oh gosh, guy, yeah. uh, this is just heartbreaking for me. I have a little girl, so I can't even imagine what he was going through as a as a father, and and it's it really just I think when we were watching this simultaneously, we both were just like oh this these scenes like the rest of it's just like exciting and fun and then you're like oh god this is really intense i'm taking this back there hopper yeah, stop making me feel bad there. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: we also get a little glimpse of a little aliens uh yes. moment where I, I i i'm assuming we see an egg They, they walk by and there's an egg so now we're starting to get a little bit more of like okay i did predict that there are more than one monster maybe there are maybe we again (laughs) the the episode does not answer the question or even this first entry does not answer the question for me no are there currently or will there ever be more than one i'm assuming the latter is yes the former we don't know because we don't see simultaneous demogorgons at these different places that we're visiting throughout the episode so episodes end that answer is an, I don't know, for me. Yeah, <laughs> no, totally.
1: And yes, you, we saw Hopper investigating what looked to be like an egg, just like we see an alien in the first 1979 Alien. We also see uh, a sort of hive sort of place without any kind of other, as you said, no other demogorgons or creatures, mm-hmm. but some kind of, you know, whether it's a hive or whether it's like a like a spider's web that where a spider takes back its prey back, that's where they find Will ultimately sort of... Yeah strung up against you know the wall with other bodies in there too and maybe those are the other bodies that were part of those six bodies that brenner mentioned i'm not sure
0: i think i mean i think you're right i think that that incubation place is where all the other bodies were stored but again with the lighting the way it was i didn't see nancy i didn't recognize the other i think we only saw one other body before we saw will with that oh gosh i mean i almost choked because yeah, i was like I, I, I'm, I'm like i can't breathe because and of i think that, that was
1: some type of living entity too so maybe that's a different mm-hmm. type of life form that exists in that world i don't you know the, again these are all up for debate but yeah hopper like pulls this this tendril i don't know what you want to call it this out of his throat and uh it's yeah it's just pretty disgusting
0: <laughs> so real quick I, I couldn't really tell uh from from either viewing the building that they go into that pans up before they go yeah. into the incubation room what building is that in the upside so down? that
1: was the public library where hopper goes and okay. looks at the microfiche that's where uh, apparently the demogorgon has decided to kind of make its cave or nest or whatever i don't know what you want to call it but that's where it took at least two bodies including will and again unless there's something else that we haven't seen yet in this world but I believe it's. I think we're led to believe that it's. It's the same creature. It's the Demogorgon. That it's running yeah. around. It's doing lots of stuff. It's grabbing people. It's bringing them back here. And <laughs> and finally, Joyce and Hopper have discovered its its lair, if you will. Right. That's yeah. its place that it goes back to and and eats and naps and.
0: <laughs> Wouldn't and, it be funny if it was a hospital in the yeah, Upside Down where I can, yeah. it's like you have ventilation and things like that. Exactly. A clever Demogorgon. I'm gonna camp out in the uh, in the uh, hospital here. With-
1: I mean, it seems pretty intelligent, but, you know, and all, very hard to kill. We'll get into that more later. But, man, this thing can take a beating.
0: It is a tough cookie for sure. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we find out as we as we move back towards the the school. But as we finish off with with Hopper and Joyce, as you mentioned, they find Will. Um, he pulls that that thing out of his mouth. And then I think it's really interesting Watching Hopper tell Joyce how to do CPR in, in other shows where this is done, it seems like the people that do it or are in the position of having to do it, they already know how. This is the first time that I've seen in a series or in a movie where someone is directing someone else to do that. I thought that was kind of interesting. It's just a little little tidbit yeah, that kind of you know, stuck out point. in my head. Yeah. But it makes sense because she doesn't know.
1: And she's highly emotional and probably never had to do it before, where Hopper, as a police chief, would be trained as a first responder to do these types of things for emergency situations. So it kind of probably comes second nature to him. Absolutely. And, And
0: of course, this is where the culmination of his flashbacks kind of set up right with Will. And so as Will's coming back alive, we see the cuts back and forth to his daughter going off of the you know, her, her pulse eventually going flat. And just again, another heartbreaking moment. And the music here is really interesting, Adam, because it's lyrics. I mean, it's, it's singing. Mm -hmm. It's not eighties synth. It's very much just a specific kind of music for this moment that I think is very fitting. I I need to go back and listen to the lyrics or at least find out what they are, but I'm sure that they have some kind of meaning to what's happening here, but it felt very appropriate tonally to shift from a dramatic eighties synth kind of rock to this somber, yet exciting and resolute finish to yeah. to their little subplot here. I thought it was really yeah.
1: good. And I think it's important to see that as much as we finally learn about what happened to Hopper's daughter and how sad that was, that he also has been a thanks to him, really. And, nobody, and and I mean, a lot of people were involved, but if it wasn't for Hopper, Joyce would never have Will back again. Like He, he saved Will's life, no question, on a multitude of, of levels. Not only did he make the deal that would allow them to go into the Upside Down to find him, but as we just said, he helped with the CPR to ensure that he was revived. So Hopper saved Joyce's son, and maybe that is what he needed to do, right? To help put his daughter's passing behind him
0: and i thought it was i thought it was just a a great wrapped up scene to kind of both finish and resume (laughs) a live i thought that was just really fitting very very poetic
1: and we never see them i think i don't think we see anything after that scene of them walking away or heading back to the gate or coming back through so clearly they they make it back no problem (laughs) there's no other issues as far as we're aware
0: well yeah and the whole time i'm thinking how does the Demogorgon not know where they are? Right. I mean, they're not spilling blood for sure, but maybe he's distracted. And yeah. again, if this is if there's the one Demogorgon theory, then that makes perfect sense, because as we find out of these, what, three pairings or three teams of people that came together in the last couple of chapters are now kind of diverging again to do their own thing. Just after we see Joyce and Hopper take off, we see Jonathan and Nancy take off and they are they're getting ready to go kick some butt. I mean, they're yeah, ready to they f- finish what they started.
1: Exactly. They go back, as we saw in the last episode, they go back to the police station, steal their monster hunting gear that they acquired at the local Army-Navy surplus store. And, yeah, they're they're basically – first time we see them in this episode, they're reviewing their plan of attack, and th- they take out steak knives from the kitchen drawer, and this is all in – jonathan's house and which is a wreck as we've pointed out previously and they take out these knives and they're about ready to to cut their palms to draw blood to hopefully attract the demogorgon and they they sort of hesitate for a minute but then they they ultimately do it and it looks painful because that that looked like a deep cut but uh, yeah they, they they cut their hands they bleed and uh and then they wait and it doesn't come right away like I think they were hoping because they have this, they have these elaborate booby traps set up <laughs> to try to hurt or kill this creature. Yeah. And uh, it's not until a little bit later when they're sort of wrapping their hands uh, and sitting together and kind of having a little bit of, mo- of a moment, almost that someone starts banging on the door. <laughs> it's our, our favorite character, Steve Harrington, <laughs> whose hair is bigger than ever. Yes. Like, his head is huge, by the way, <laughs> <for> his body. <laughs>
0: Man, if I had to pick an arc or a, or a subplot in this chapter, yeah. this whole bit was probably my favorite. It had so much great action. Uh, I think you and I agreed as we were watching this, we love a good montage where they were setting up all the traps. Yep. I think my favorite weapon was the nail bat that Jonathan was uh oh, yeah. was configuring. I was like, oh, I've seen those in comic books. That's how you make them. You just nail, use a hammer. Straight and you through. Made, yeah. Straight through. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Um, yeah, you know, we can com- we confirm that blood theory that they had they kind of alluded to in a few chapters before, because along with that, we also get that great kind of aha moment where you have Jonathan that says, My mom says that you can always essentially predict when it's coming because the lights flicker. And that explains several this was, things.
1: This was your question earlier on that you really yeah. wanted to understand what does the electricity mean? And this is kind of, I think, as close as you're going to get to an answer, uh, in terms of what Jonathan tries to explain here.
0: Yeah, it's an EWS early warning system at this yeah.
1: point. Yeah,
0: but it's different because he says later on, when he sees the lights kind of light up casually, and then he sees the street light, he goes, "I don't think that's it. I think that's the, I think that's my mom," because he right. hears that echo. And that's a really cool sequence too, where you have what happens in this real world the ramifications as we talked about with the truck or with, you know, something changing that the effect of it exists in the upside down. Now, if the Demogorgon burns up and his remains are right there in the real world, do they just appear kind of like in the movie Frequency where if you do something in the past, does the, you know, if you put a cigarette burn on a piece of wood in 1955, does it show up in 1990 or something like that? And so I think, you know, watching this whole thing play out It's just cool.
1: Maybe it's only non-biological things that are consistent. Because if you notice, we don't see any animals, any people, any counterparts, right? Any upside down versions of any people or beings or creatures or animals from our world and their world. Maybe organic material doesn't have an opposite. Maybe it's just the, uh, the inorganic. Well, the trees, there's trees there. So that, I don't know. There's... lot of questions here that go unanswered
0: (laughs) and some of this stuff i'm fine just leaving as a mythology of like yeah this is just how things are it's a real
1: uh, yeah it, it doesn't have to necessarily have a perfect explanation because clearly the characters don't know either so we are sort of watching and living this experiencing this in the same ways that these these characters are and so we don't know the the rules yet of the upside down
0: watching them have that moment and then seeing steve sort of Interrupt them. I thought yeah. was a great kind of tension breaker, and it was expected because I mean they're not going to kiss. It's it's not, not going to happen. <laughs> Steve comes in. I you know he's he's getting more redemptive for me. I think he's yeah. like I messed up. I just want to make things right. And then he looks at her hands like, "Are you okay? Are you bleeding?" Did he do this to you? And then he busts yeah. in, and then he sees this just crazy setup inside the buyer's house. He's like, what <laughs> in the world is going on? And they're like, yeah. you need to get out. You need to get out. Nancy pointing the gun at him, I oh thought my... was just
1: crazy. Crazy. And we know it's loaded. So I yes. she was really. I mean, <laughs> I think her intentions were good in that yes. she knew that this creature could be coming along any second, and she did not want anything to happen to Steve. You know, She still, ho- she's hopeful, right? That they'll kill this thing and then she can go back to her normal life and have Steve as her boyfriend and everything will be fine. <laughs> but, <laughs> but so she, I think was just trying to scare the piss out of him and get him out of there. She but did un- probably. Unfortunately, as this is happening, as all this drama is unfolding, the lights start to flicker frantically. And I think that's one thing. I think when the lights flicker more violently, that sort of implies danger or the Demogorgon and when they kind of light up more casually that might be the sign of something friendly or something from our world Mm -hmm. that's in the Upside Down that's kind of what I took away from that but yeah yeah, the the lights flicker frantically and this thing just bursts through the ceiling this time (laughs) which we have not seen yet it's always come through walls and this time it comes uh, just crashing through
0: yeah, it ain't knocking on doors, man. No. It's not like it's not gonna be nice like Steve. He's not
1: gonna it's, it's no. just gonna come and right Steve's in. Steve's reaction is the be- better than anything else. He's just his. What is going on? You know, he's yeah. out of. He <laughs> d- cannot figure out what's happening. And 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 just remember, he he's all beat up still. His whole side of his face is right? bloodied <laughs> and bruised, and so he's 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 not having a good couple days.
0: He's not. And I think the best lines from Steve are lines that he just repeats over and over again. So when the <laughs> monster comes in, he's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my yep. God. And then they're shooting guns. And so it's like just going crazy. Nancy's shooting something. And then it goes away. Like they end up back in, I think, Jonathan's room.
1: Yeah, they run back. And I'm surprised that Steve saw the bear trap in the middle of the hallway and jumps over. it. Like, I mean. I was thinking That's some what, good intuition. I mean, yeah, he, he, at least he was looking down in the middle of this, seeing this crazy creature to, to notice that there's something on the ground that I do not want to step in because he could have been a casualty of their own booby trap there. But yeah, they all kind of, I think, go into Jonathan's room and sort of wait and then the noises sort of dissipate. So he yeah. it clearly has the ability at, its, at will to kind of come and go from mm-hmm. our dimension and, and reappear where it wishes to.
0: Well, and I, th- I think because it knows it didn't get its prey, that's why it comes back. So I don't think it's compelled by blood. I think it smells the blood and says, "Okay, there's somebody here." Right. So I'm coming. And now that I see that there's like crazy people, I'm gonna I'm gonna step back for a minute. I'm gonna it kind of Yeah, it yeah, kind of decided like, <laughs> all right,
1: these guys have a ha- are trying to hurt me. They know I'm coming, so I need to to rethink my strategy here. But it yeah, it does come back because we we see the well first we see the lights kind of flicker again and this is after steve i think runs out to his car yeah yeah, he says this is crazy this is
0: crazy this is crazy this is crazy and then he takes off or does he because we exactly the last thing we see is him looking at the house as it's The lights
1: flicker and then all the light this time all the lights go off so it's like pitch black or almost pitch black inside the house and of course it reappears right behind I think it's Jonathan this time, right? And Nancy, of course, is the first to notice it. And she's got the gun and she unloads, I think, the entire gun into this thing. And it doesn't, it definitely knocks it, you know, it pushes it back or it keeps it at bay a little bit. So it's clearly hurting it, but it's not hurting it enough to stop it because it just keeps on coming after that.
0: And it needs a little extra touch, a little Steve Harrington touch. That's right. Because dude grabs the bat. And you pointed this out. He flips the bat like he knows what he's doing. And he just wails on this thing enough to push it back to the bear trap where it gets trapped. I think it triggers the, well, once it's trapped, it tells him, okay, cool. And then they light the thing on fire.
1: Yeah, they had put gasoline or lighter fluid or something all like all along the hallway so that if it got stuck in the trap they could light it on fire. And i just want to say that Steve got some like great body shots and he doesn't get touched once. It doesn't knock him down. Like he just he's dodging this thing as it like swats at him. He's a real monster hunter, I have to say. He really is Steve Harrington, really... <laughs> Monster Hunter. It's
0: right. This is a <laughs> so side series yeah, we need to see. We totally. need to, we need to... The Duffer Brothers need to do something in this universe with Steve Harrington yeah. as <laughs> but, a monster hunter.
1: what I was going to say is when they light it on fire after its its foot is trapped in the in the bear trap, it looked to me as if it had some type of force field or sh- some kind of energy shield that protected it from the fire. It was making a, a sound like it was in pain, but it almost, if you pause it at the right frame, it almost looks like it has like an energy field around its body that I thought was really interesting because it clearly has a lot of defensive features to it. And then, of course, it, as the fire goes out, they see that it's gone. And yeah. it, it, it had left our realm again. But there is some like organic, I don't know if it's part of its foot that it left behind that like they couldn't take with it, but there's some mm-hmm. kind of organic charred goo on the on the trap. So, but,
0: but it's not in the Upside Down when Joyce and Hopper go by. Right. They just see a burn stain. That's That's the thing is it's just, again, the words that kept coming out of my mouth or in my head, I was like, or maybe not, or maybe, or did he, or did it? And because there are several moments in this episode, Adam, that I just, I'm left like, but maybe not Right, like Steve Harrington leaves the house. Or no, he doesn't. And <laughs> yeah. it's like it got burned up, or did it? And it's just like I don't have any answers at this point. Well, and
1: when we see that blood or goo or or remains of its foot in the bear trap, I, I kept thinking to myself, is someone going to say, if it bleeds, we could kill it? <laughs> <laughs> because that would have been apropos right there. Yeah, <laughs> it, it just felt like one of those situations where, like, well, you know, it seems inv- invincible, but they did do some damage to it right they were able to sort of chip chip away at it a little bit right. and and maybe it it has a weakness that we we don't know of
0: well i think the weakness is it needs a woman's touch as there we you find go. out yeah, yeah we go back to the to the school and so this third part of this uh i would call trilogy of let's get this thing and get <laughs> will back <laughs> begins with uh with this trio, it begins with Dustin and Lucas and Mike, along with Eleven, of course. I-, I love that when they ask where Jonathan and Nancy are, you know, Dustin's quick to say, probably, they're probably sucking face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Mike's like, oh, what are you yeah. doing? <laughs> but they're going to get the Demogorgon. Yeah. And uh, as they're trying to kind of regroup, they're trying to figure out what they're supposed to do. I really love seeing how Lucas was wanting to protect Elle. He says... She's the most important thing right now. So they're trying to figure out what to do next. And they, they don't want to do nothing, which I think is is appropriate because, you know, nobody's there. They, they don't feel like they're doing anything because they're not doing anything. But they are. They're protecting Elle. Keeping her out of sight. Yeah. Dustin recognizes that, quote, Nancy's kind of a badass now because of the mm-hmm. way that she uh, just handles herself in the last chapter. I thought that was kind of cool.
1: And Dustin also realizes that Elle needs to recharge and need yes. nourishment. And so he's obsessed with finding <laughs> lunch lady Phyllis's hoard of chocolate pudding. And I, I have to say that if I was hanging out in the middle of the night in a school cafeteria or in a school, I would probably go raid the, the cafeteria for food as well. I, I'm, I would too. I'm not unlike him here, but yeah, he's always thinking with his stomach. I, I, this is one of the things I really like about, about Dustin. Food is always uh, a top priority for him. And uh, gotta have the sustenance, man. Yeah. Gotta have it. And I love when he finds it. He just the way he yells and his voice cracks. He's like, Mike, I found the chocolate pudding. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The He's way good. he grabs it reminds me a little bit of Chunk grabbing the oh, ice yeah. cream from Goonies. Like they got Rocky road and <laughs> yeah. mocha mocha chip or whatever. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And he doesn't see the dead body. behind.
1: It. I, <laughs> I was hoping
0: there'd be a dead body behind the pudding just to right, kind of right. pay a little homage to that movie, but obviously that wouldn't have worked.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was a great scene and it leads into another really uh fun conversation between Mike and L where they talk about him inviting her essentially to live with his family and that they would give her a room and essentially like adopt her into their family. But there's this confusion <laughs> by her. Like, well, what would I be your brother? And he's like, no, 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 not a no, not like that. <laughs> yeah. He's it, trying to a, do this. He's trying
0: to do this dance of, yeah. of telling her he likes her, but also telling her he cares about her. And it's really cool. He, he says, um, you're almost done eating junk food. And he, comments on all the great food that his mom makes which by the way she makes some killer desserts as we find out at the end of the episode she's like queen of the holiday desserts i want to hang out with her if i like jello moles i'm sure she'd make an amazing one as we saw previously but he says my point is they'll take care of you yeah and i think that's what he he's got this kind of duality of like they'll take care of you but i also kind of like you and he does that whole thing with the snowball and how then they they have that kind of almost kiss again Yep, and it's just so awkward and cute. And of course, they're interrupted by the government.
1: Yeah, they just can't get a break. You know, they every really time can, they yeah. uh, almost, you know, Mike just wants a, a little kiss from Eleven, but he can't get it.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, if you had a girlfriend that could do what she does, you'd probably be like, "Yeah, I, I want to make sure we can secure this relationship."
1: Yeah, lock it down.
0: Lock it down. Uh, We're exclusive. You're not yeah. hanging out with any other boys, and if you but, do, just kill them. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
1: there's one other funny just throwaway line where when she, when Mike's talking about how his mom is a pretty good cook and can make her whatever she wants. And she, she's just like Eggos. And Eggos? Says, yeah. Yeah. Eggos, <laughs> yeah, but real right. food too. I'm like, Oh man, Eggos is not going to be happy uh, with that, that it's not real food. <laughs> there's a little dig there. Yeah. <laughs> oh.
0: But of course the government arrives and ruins everything like they always do. But I get a redemptive moment here for myself. Uh, you get this great shot of them running through the halls. You've got, evil social worker lady being flanked by two guys with guns. I believe. And there's one guy behind uh, the, the crew here. And then you see L leaned forward. I don't know if she uses her hands, but she leans forward and clearly she's kind of got them locked. Their eyes start bleeding. Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh. And while we don't see it, we know that all four of these people are dead. And so death to evil social worker lady, no more killing people for you. Okay. You're done. And so I was like, yes, let's do
1: it. Two, either mps or agents like there's a combination here of sort of men in black agents just wear suits and the actual mp like military police officers who are working with them and i think there's two behind l that drop as well two or three and two behind evil social worker lady as we call her but yeah she takes them all out in one one fell swoop and they all drop to the ground it's sad because she is killing people that's kind of like uh you know but Also, what what have they done to her, right? You know, what what kind of life is this for her? Yeah. She clearly wants to escape that life.
0: This whole sequence, Adam, was really kind of compelling to see for her as kind of a a little growth for her as a character because Brunner shows up, you know, she's kind of taken herself out. Like all that work to kill these four individuals has basically taken all the energy out of her and and she's unconscious. And they're, you know, of course, the the trio is they're, they're concerned about her. Brenner shows up and tries to take her. He looks at her, he wakes her up and she goes, Papa. It's, it's, it's almost a tender moment. Yeah. And he says, you're going to, and I say almost because he says you're sick and I'm going to make this all better so that no one else gets hurt. And she resists. She said, I think she says bad man or something like that. And she says, Mike, after that. Yeah. And so clearly she's starting to see a shift of like, who are the bad people now, whether or not she has like this moral conscience of killing people, obviously she doesn't at this point. So, and we can forgive her for that because she's still kind of new to this world. I mean, she has a very limited language. The way she communicates is very simplistic. And then the scene finishes with, I think Brenner either drops her because he is attacked by the Demogorgon who shows up.
1: They're interrupted by the fact that it starts breaking through the wall at the end of this of the hall that they're in. Yeah, and I think it like breaks through like a school mascot or something, you know, a, a, on the wall, and it kind of <laughs> crashes through. And of course, agents are firing at it furiously. And uh, yeah, there's a great shot where as this is ha- as this chaos is unfolding with the Demogorgon, the boys, of course, pick up Elle and take her into this. I think into the science classroom mm-hmm. to get her yeah. out of the way but there's this great shot where Brenner kind of stands up and looks at the demogorgon and, and kind of walks towards it like he, it's almost like his scientific mind is so fascinated by the fact that he's seeing some like essentially an extraterrestrial being for the first time that he doesn't even factor in that this thing might come and kill me. (laughs) He's Uh just so scientifically in awe of what he's witnessing and he kind of moves in its direction. Well, he has no weapons, nothing. And he just kind of moves towards it. And of course it kind of pounces on him, but then that's all we see. Like it's it's at a low angle. The camera's at a low angle because we don't see if it, if it just kind of knocks him down, does it bite his head off? Like we really don't see what happens after that because it cuts right. now to the kids in the science room
0: mm-hmm. and they're
1: trying to help, you know, help Elle wake her up and revive her. Yeah. As we hear machine gun fire <laughs> outside. This is not a school I would ever want to go back to, by the way, no, after no, this incident. That's, that's yeah. If I, if I was aware of what happened, I'd yeah. be like, no, not attending this middle school. <laughs> this is, this is a trauma
0: middle school right here. Yeah. At this point. Exactly. The Demogorgon is now the mascot. You yeah. Don't want to with them. <laughs> so. And uh, as you mentioned, you know, they're in that classroom, Mike, is trying to wake her up. And he says this great line, you can eat as many Eggos as you want. And we can go to the snowball. I thought, oh, yeah. gosh, yeah. Mike's got great lines of, of just real tender. Uh, and he, and he adores her. I, yeah. I and mean, I think adoration is probably the best way to describe his relationship with her. We know why. I mean, he's had this connection with her. It's, it's this trauma that they're, mm-hmm. they're both kind of connected to. Then the Demogorgon plows through the wall And they're freaked out. Adam, I don't know if I could ever deal with this stuff like they are. I mean, I I try to put myself in the shoes of these 12 year olds and I'm like, I would I would just let it get me because I I wouldn't know what to do.
1: (laughs) You would just freeze. And I mean, kind of what happens to Brenner, he's just like frozen in awe and disbelief that he doesn't even attempt to run or save himself. Right. He just kind of, like I said, leans into it. And I don't know, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe running from it is the worst thing you can do. Maybe it doesn't if it doesn't see you as a threat, it doesn't kill you. I don't know, right? So yes. there's all kinds of weird things going on here, but these kids are, are as you said, they're quite resilient and they whip out their their wrist rocket and all the rocks that they collected earlier in the season and they think that somehow those little pebbles are going to hurt this thing despite the machine gun fire that has <laughs> not seemed to slow it down one one Iota.
0: Yeah, I thought there was magic in that third one because the yeah. camera slows down, the rocket goes in, and then all of a sudden the Demogorgon flies back. But what we realize is that that woman's touch is what yeah. did it.
1: Elle has ar- arisen and she has used her power one more time to kind of pin it up against the chalkboard at the end of the classroom, and it's a yeah, it's an intense scene because she is like her eyes are ble- like all bloodshot, she's bleeding, like she's she's in bad shape here, but she clearly. Is done with this thing. <laughs> and I think she even says like no more. I think that's her her last line. That's a great line, yeah. No more.
0: Yeah. And the way that the the Demogorgon dies, I put that in air quotes because it, it sort of disappears. And all that spore stuff that we were alluding to throughout the, I mean, that's it's flakes from Demogorgons. And so it makes me think: Are there tons of these? And then when they die, they just sort of disintegrate and become part of the upside down environment because those things didn't stick around I mean clearly right. the the spore whatever the remains just fell to the ground but in the upside down they kind of float and again I don't know if that's going to get answered I don't really care if it does but I think yeah. it's cool mythology where if I were to go back and watch one of these episodes and watch the upside down, I'm like, Oh man, it's kind of gross that they're probably like walking through like skin and cells of these right. Old demogorgons that have probably lived and died in this upside or down. other but...
1: beings or creatures that we have, you no, know, the perhaps that we never met. Right. It could right. just be any, it could be any sort of uh, organic or breathing creature that has passed. Uh, yeah. And, and like you said, it doesn't stick around this this residue, the remains of the creature or of L. So I'm led to believe, I believe at least that they somehow were sort of transferred back to the upside down.
0: I think so too. Yeah, and that's the thing is we don't know. I mean, right? We we get a hint that she's still alive. But right. We that's the last we see of the Demogorgon. So
1: or her. You know, the, yeah.
0: The first pass observation is okay. She's killed the Demogorgon but maybe not. And I, I think it just adds to my questions, but, um, but at least in this episode, that's the last that we see. It doesn't make another appearance um, at least not in that form. Right. <laughs> and so uh, the episode then kind of finishes off, moves us to the hospital. This is where Will wakes up. I love that Jonathan makes him a new mixtape. I was trying to figure out what's in the box. I saw a Sony logo and I was like, it's a Walkman. Probably at this
1: point in time, it would have yeah, it would have been a Walkman or yeah, maybe. Wouldn't a Discman obviously? No. There were
0: no CDs back then, but no. no. Yeah, I think it's maybe a cool little maybe it's a waterproof Walkman or something like that. But <laughs> yeah. then, um, you know, we we pan to everyone in the waiting room, and I think like everyone that we've met in this series, uh, yeah. all the main characters in the in the waiting room. You know, Steve's there, Hopper's there. They're all waiting for Will to wake up.
1: And I love that Mike's father is once again, sleeping. Sure. Why not? Always sleeping.
0: Always sleeping. Not in his lazy boy this time, but just still sleeping
1: sleeping. in the waiting room. (laughs) And Dustin and Lucas are also sleeping, but they've been through a lot. So they deserve it. You know, they deserve a nap.
0: Yeah. Right. You fight (laughs) Demogorgons. You deserve a little, little power nap to get you through. And then this is really interesting. The way Lucas, Dustin and Mike come into the waiting room Mm-hmm. really reminds me of like the third of like eight endings from return of the king like when the uh, the okay. hobbits come in to visit frodo and or the his friends i was like that's kind of cool maybe that yeah. was i don't know if it was that way but that reminded me of of that that one scene in in, in return of the king spoiler alert
1: sure um, yeah yeah
0: and then will coughs
1: i know and there's this yeah. again
0: this is, is okay? we've talked about yeah. this there's this pause with the camera and i'm like okay that's weird didn't seem like a casual cough and, you know, we find out that that wasn't something that was insignificant, but
1: yeah. before we get
0: there, we're outside. Hopper gets into a K car because <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. again, we know that's what government people drive is K cars.
1: And I love that the agent politely opens the door for him he gets, he gets out of the car, opens the door, lets him, you know, at least they're yeah. polite. At least they're, you know, being nice.
0: Well, whatever deal that was, apparently that includes, you're going to be nice to me.
1: Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly what do you think though what do you think he's doing here at this point What is based on what you've seen
0: I, I would say that he's definitely keeping hawkins lab a secret i think everything that he knows he's been told you will not report this to anyone i'd like to think that he made a deal with them that as we find out we'll just skip ahead a little bit it's a month later and it's christmas so this officially becomes a christmas show uh, because there's exactly. one thing that takes place at christmas right And i think we both agreed to that but he's packing up this food at this uh company christmas party at the police station and we think he's taking leftovers for himself killer tupperware i remember that tupperware loved it and we find out that he goes into the woods i think it's where the bike was left where or where barb's car that that same i think it was i think it was Merkwood. the yeah. murkwood yeah and there's a box that he puts food in and egos, and we know that obviously that's he knows where Elle is. So I think the deal that was made is that part of it is that he gets to protect her, that they don't get to do anything to her, and that he agrees not to say anything about the project or what's going on, and essentially kind of keeps the power and light folks uh, doing their thing. Now, that's that's a poor man's prediction, so I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I think you're right. I think the only thing I would say that maybe he had to agree to in addition is that he would essentially be their eyes and ears if he sees or hears or discovers anything, whether it be about Will, that leads them to think that something else is happening again or there's any, you know, that he has to report, right? That he has to keep them informed and, and that would make perfect sense you know they wouldn't know necessarily if they're all working in the lab right if they're they're not going to know what's happening within the town right they're not going to know what's, yeah. what all the survivors of this incident are who they're talking to what if if any of them wants to you know if the kids want to tell their science teacher what happened right copper's the one person that could kind of keep everybody in line because right. he, he knows the gravity of what would happen if someone doesn't keep yeah. quiet so yeah. that's well he that's, doesn't
0: he doesn't he doesn't have one of those imminent black flashy things that can make no. people forget. <laughs> no, so he has to, so. he has to be more creative with that. If exactly. That's what his job is. <laughs> so yeah. Hopefully we'll find out more about that in the, in the second part, that flash forward or that push forward puts us really where we were to start the season or start the, this entry in uh, Mike's basement, they're playing D and D it's such a great scene. I, I love yeah. how everybody's into it. And yeah. of course it's probably inspired by, their adventures and it's just a great kind of snapshot of them feeling like their kids again you know they're not out yeah. monster hunting they're all four around and it finishes off with this <laughs> you know Jonathan comes downstairs and says what's going on here uh, and I don't remember the line but it ends with like or did somebody fart and then they yeah. start chanting Dustin farted <laughs> Dustin farted
1: And they're all, like, upset, too, because they're like, that campaign was way too short. And and Mike's like, it was 10 hours. (laughs) And as someone who plays, I can say that they always feel too short. Like, you never want them to end, whatever they do, because it's just so much fun when you're in it. And it's all about the journey, not about the ending, which I think, unlike maybe video game playing, where it's all about beating the game, D&D is a lot more about just having the experience of the adventure and that's what makes it so exciting and fun and, and that you're solving problems together that you're go- that you're going through this as a as what they call a party and that is what you don't want to end right whenever if it's over then it's over and you have to start a new quest or a new campaign as they call them and so i it was fun seeing uh seeing them play i, I like i said i i wish i i had a group of friends like this when i was 12 i think i would have loved playing D. I like playing it a lot now so I'm sure as a 12 year old or 13 year old I would have been totally down for 10 hour sessions in my basement but I don't think my parents would have allowed 10 hour gaming sessions like that I think they would be like that's ridiculous get outside or do your work do your you know do your homework anyway it is christmas time so I I yeah. They got a. They're having a little Christmas session. Yeah, they're and... on. They're on
0: break right now. Yeah, exactly. And, and clearly, everybody's on a break because uh Dad is again, as you mentioned, sleeping <laughs> with a with a thing of popcorn in his lap. By the way, yeah, like, that's a and complete snoring waste. Pop- loudly in yeah. his but, lazy I mean, boy. Yeah, that lazy boy does miraculous things for people. But for this guy, I think he could just sleep anywhere if he needed to.
1: Obviously, he's we know just. Uh, what did you call him earlier? In
0: uh... oh something like uh, I I can't remember. Idiot Dad. That's what Idiot. I call him. <laughs>
1: He really is. He's just like a useless. Like, yeah, yeah, he earns money for his family, but that's like his only sort of quality. You know, uh, redeeming quality. He doesn't. His superpower. (laughs) And he eats food and sleeps, and that's about it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So that may be all we get. (laughs) Um, We also get resolution, Adam, with um, with Jonathan and Nancy. Yeah. And what what I think was pretty fitting. I mean, Nancy's with with Steve. You know, she. She's in love with you know Steve's her boyfriend according yeah. to to her now. It's official well now. It, it's official now. In
1: the in the month that's passed since their encounter with death, they have clearly yeah. decided to <laughs> to uh, make it official a- and and also clearly they've made it official in a very public way that they are hanging out together on the couch in Nancy's living room with her father sitting across while sleeping and mom cooking in the kitchen. So clearly they're okay with him, with Steve dating their daughter. They just, uh, maybe they want to make sure they can monitor (laughs) their activities together. Yeah.
0: I'm okay with Steve dating Nancy. I'm not okay with Steve's terrible sweater that he's wearing (laughs) in that scene. But uh, hey, it was 1983.
1: Yeah. Yeah. His hair makes up for it. It's okay.
0: (laughs) Uh, Nancy gives Jonathan a a new camera which I yep. thought was kind of interesting. That that's not cheap. Okay, that's no, not like especially a
1: Especially back then. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's a, that was really that was really interesting. And then she gives him the quote just friends kiss on the cheek. Yeah, little pat. Uh, which which is fine. I think, you know, it I'd like to believe there's probably going to be some tension between the three of them. I think we're probably going to get there, which is which is totally cool, but I like the way that this resolved.
1: I do have one thought about this scene. I think that Steve bought this camera and told Nancy to give it to Jonathan yeah. as a Christmas present, as yeah. his way of saying he's sorry for breaking his camera. And as we know, Steve's a rich kid in the town, has a big house, a pool. He's of all the people, he would be the one to have enough discretionary cash to make a purchase like that. And I think he has True. enough of a heart and a guilty conscience for what he did, <laughs> yeah. especially because they did bond over this, this event, right? Yeah, Steve and Jonathan, despite the fact that they perhaps both are pining over the same girl they do they do have a newfound uh i think friendship if you will perhaps that yeah or bond maybe it's more of like a bond a that, common ground a yeah. common ground exactly they're they're yeah. willing they accept each other now and they're they're okay with each other and i think this is what he i think he because he says when nancy sits down did you give him the did you give him the gift to, or the camera? Did you give him the camera? And Nancy's said, like, yeah, I, just, I did. So I think that's what happened. It's just my own interpretation of the, of the events, but uh, I, yeah, I just don't see Nancy. Maybe I mean, it's possible. She chipped in maybe, but I think a dollar, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think, I think Steve did it. I think yeah. he, he felt guilty and wanted to make things right. And I think that's part of what makes us come around again to him is that we we like him now because he he does do the ultimately does do the right thing, even when he does bad things. Whether it's cleaning the the marquee at the theater after he spray painted it, he he always seems to come around and and sort of make up for his his bad deeds.
0: Yeah, still hoping his goons get eaten or something later. Yeah, we never later. see them
1: again after after Steve told them off in the parking lot of the yeah. the quickie mart or whatever it was. <laughs> the, Fairmart. or Fairmart. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Fairmart. Yeah, we, we don't know what happened to them. Maybe they're, maybe they're the two that went missing that Brenner. Was oh, missing. I wish. I wish that was the case. But no. Yeah.
0: So the episode ends with um, probably one of my most, not my favorite scene, but very, yeah. very much a, the end to a horror movie leading to a sequel. Where at Christmas dinner. Adam, the house looks like it was never touched. Like this house yeah. was destroyed. Like, you you set a Demogorgon on fire, you're beating it to death with a bat, things are going crazy, you've already punched a hole in the front of the house, you've got Christmas lights strung everywhere. A month later?
1: I have a theory here as well. Again, this is not based on anything other than just me thinking this through. Maybe part of the deal with Hopper and the government agents was that they have to cover up any evidence of what have what occurred which would include repairing the middle school and repairing the buyer's residence to make it appear as though nothing ever happened right hey they can make fake children and that look like life make (laughs) children (laughs) they can make fake children (laughs) and put them in the reservoir so sure they can patch a few holes and clean up a house and yeah so anyway that's my theory is that they okay. that only the you know the, the money and the speed of the uh department of energy could fix the buyer's household so quickly <laughs> and so completely as though nothing ever happened because it didn't according to yeah officially nothing True. ever happened
0: yeah my theory is one that's standing on a, a thin sheet of glass <laughs> but um and it's inspired by what we see in this scene where we'll Gets up. He doesn't cough. This is really interesting. Will gets up casually, goes to the bathroom, and looks in the mirror, and then he coughs, and up comes that slug-like thing, which is
1: absolutely disgusting. And it like goes down the drain, which is the other. Where's that thing going? Yeah, (laughs) and that can't be good.
0: And and I'm asking myself a handful of questions at this point. First of all, Will's reaction is so nonchalant.
1: I know. I would be like, mom.
0: (laughs) Yeah, except when we get to the moment of the upside down where he we get a glimpse of the upside down and then it flashes back and he's like, "Whoa, well, what just happened? And then he just comes back casually to the table. And so now my questions start to roll. And so I'll, I'll just kind of throw these out there. We're not, I'm not going to ask you to answer them, obviously, but these are the questions I have going into the second installment. First of all, where's Elle? Cause she's obviously alive. She's getting egos delivered to her. Do the government people know that she's alive? Is Brenner alive? Because we don't see him anywhere after that, but we don't see him dead. And this whole thing with Will—is he possessed? Is he an incubator for future Demogorgons? Is <laughs> are they still in the Upside Down? I'm thinking, and, and this is where my 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 thin glass theory comes from. I feel like they might be in the Upside Down. It's just covered or masked, and that's why the house looks so amazing. Oh,
1: ah, because
0: okay. nothing gets destroyed. Maybe and like, things get moved around, but nothing really gets destroyed. Interesting. I, again, I don't think that's the case at all. But it could be kind of a cool theory. So. That's kind of where I finished. And I'm I like, like it. I guess I guess what we're doing is um, as we tend to do at the end of each season of the shows that we're watching, do we continue? And I say, heck yeah, we're gonna continue. And we're probably gonna continue sooner rather than later. So you yes. might see this, yes. you know, less than a year out from when you're you know, when we're releasing this season, because I'm I'm ready to just jump right into season two. Or oh, excuse me, entry number two, the sequel, what we're calling, stranger things yeah. two.
1: <laughs> A second installment.
0: Second installment.
1: <laughs> there was one at that Christmas dinner with the buyers. There was one moment where it's a really nice scene. It, as you said, it's very. It feels like a real Christmas-themed show at this point. Just really festive music playing, making dinner, uh, which it looks like Joyce is not very good at cooking. She made really runny, runny potatoes. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: that's a no deal. And they looked uh,
1: like watery almost. Yeah, don't do and... <laughs> that.
0: That don't ruin potatoes. That Jonathan's
1: as... you know snapping. Some shots with his new camera, and Will's sort of trying to guess what his presents are under the tree. And he's like, It's definitely an Atari. And Joyce, <laughs> I love Joyce's response, In a what? <laughs> I just thought, I don't know why. It, it, and his uh,
0: logic is so cool. He's like, yeah, because I felt uh, I felt Lucas's and it was the same weight and everything.
1: Yeah. And that's what kids do. They really yeah. do. They're very uh, kids know what they're taught because they'll go to the stores. They'll look at the shape of the box, the size, the the weight of the box. And, and if they really want something, especially if it's something like an Atari, which would be a game changer in 1983. I mean, uh, this is the time when you you are pumping rolls of quarters into your local arcade. And, uh, and I will, I will give you one minor spoiler an arcade plays an important role in the future of this series.
0: Heck yeah. I'm yeah. all about that. That's a yeah. good spoiler to look
1: forward to yeah. right there. It doesn't really <laughs> spoil anything plot wise, but it's just a setting. I'll yeah. say that. Uh, but yeah, it's a really fun Christmas themed scene where everything is, mm-hmm. appears to be better and everyone's happy. Everyone's getting back to their lives and then, of course, everything you just described happens with poor Will. Like, you just can't get a break. I mean, this is a poor <laughs> kid. And, uh, but I love this last shot where just slowly it's from the outside of their house looking in through the window at them, eating their dinner and having a conversation and just kind of slowly pans out or back. And like you see less and less and here you hear less and less as well. And then suddenly it just cuts to black and you see the stranger things logo just like smash onto the screen and you hear the theme music playing. And like you, I think you said this in the very beginning, like that's just more of how a movie would end or especially like a horror film. It just ends with like very specific, like you just saw stranger things and it's, Here's, here are the credits, right? And I just I think it adds such gravitas to this sort of mini series, if you will. It feels to me more like a mini series, like it's a self-contained eight episode adventure that these kids just went on. But it leaves a few loose threads, right? Things that it, it could totally have ended here, and it would have been a f- phenomenal single season or single mini series of a show, and it could just live on as its own thing. But it also like a lot of films do these days. It leaves you with those little Easter eggs or loose threads or, or what, we, what we call in movies, stingers, you know, with the little yeah. things that, uh, could lead to something else if it yeah. does well enough. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I, one of the thoughts I had, because you know, obviously you you are current with where we are right now. And again, yeah. grateful that you're not spoiling this for me. This is just fun stuff. But one thing I thought was that as we were getting close to the end of the first installment, I started thinking maybe Stranger Things, the title itself indicates that each season is sort of going to be not a continuation of its previous installment that it'll kind of start over with like, okay, now we've got a new threat and you've got these characters that you've introduced. I don't know if that's what we're going to get. I feel like we're going to probably continue with the upside down with a Demogorgon, with maybe a new creature. But now that we've got all these set pieces sort of taken care of, we've got the town, we've got the upside down, we've got the buyer's house. I I don't know if we're going to go back to the whole like stringing up Christmas lights and being crazy. I I don't know what's going to happen next. And I intentionally, after we watch the finale, I know you mentioned that obviously the second, the trailer for, entry number two or the second season was out and I was like, I'm not going to watch it until we're, we're done talking about this because I want to have all my pure speculation out there. I'm almost hesitant Adam, to watch it because I want to kind of go into it blind. Like I don't want to see. I would
1: actually say do that. I would say, don't, don't spoil it at all because they do give even just visually flashes of information that, which I think might put ideas in your head that you might not want or that you just might enjoy it more if you don't have those preconceived notions. Uh, I would say try to avoid it if you can, uh, if you can.
0: I, I, I I mean, I've gotten so used to not watching trailers intentionally apart from going to a movie theater and just, they just throw them at me. I can probably avoid a stranger things thing with the caveat that we will, as you'll get used to us, we'll have our grouping of, of shows that we'll, uh, be talking about each of our podcast seasons our next podcast season will include Stranger Things too because yeah. I've got to get through this now. If you're listening to this and you're you're like me, you're watching as as I am, then know that you'll get a healthy dose of Stranger Things throughout the the year as we yeah. as we continue to go through it. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of an original series. It's going to wrap up this season of Stranger Things. We hope you've enjoyed this journey with us. I know I have. This has been a blast as always. Uh, We appreciate all of you guys tuning in who who do listen. And um, we're excited to really kind of get into our next conversation celebrating the world of long-form storytelling. Until then, I'm Patch. He's Adam. And we are out of here.